Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Meir, founder of Meir Group CPAs. And I'm Tyler Warner, a small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. And so today we're going to be talking about taxes, ins and outs of personal tax returns and kind of how all that works. Good deal. Before we do that, we got a review in. You want to got, yeah, read, yeah, read it for us? It. Yeah, let me pull it up here. All right. So five-star review. That's key. Awesome. It says here, it counts, exclamation point. Don't want to leave that out. <laughs> this podcast is so excellent at laying the foundation of useful knowledge for the entrepreneurial small business owner and even individuals to help make informed decisions and help to make it count. I'm down for the count. The count was in air quotes. You can't see that. Nice. <laughs> that's from Scott Scarano, admittedly a buddy of mine. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the love. Nice, man. Yeah, that's a good review. That's we good appreciate review. it. Yeah. yeah. First of many, we hope. That's right. A lot of pressure now to <laughs> live right. up to that glowing five review. Star. We, we, <laughs> exactly. we know all five stars. Yeah, I feel like everything that comes out, is this a five-star question? <laughs> yeah. You know? Or response. Yeah, right. Is it a five-star response? Yeah. So to that end, let's get straight to it, man. What uh, I feel... Very qualified in terms of uh, being the guy who doesn't understand much about taxes. Right. So before we were talking and you were kind of drilling me to kind of test my knowledge. And That's really right. the only reason I survived that that quiz was because of things you've told me recently that took years for me to right. stumble upon. Yep. So hopefully we can save other business owners years of confusion and... Um, yeah, because it. I mean, what we're going to get into help a lot of people. You don't what what we're doing here today is not meant for you to be the tax expert, but it's just meant for you when you're in, you're making decisions, you're in conversation with other people, just to have a working knowledge of how these things work, a general knowledge. So you, I mean, because there are so many misconceptions with taxes specifically, and questions I get. And so just that's really the genesis of what we're doing here today is like, let's give people some some facts, some meat on the bone there to make some decisions and understand this stuff. Yeah. So what's the first first one, the go-to question that you feel like you get the most? Yeah, the question I get a ton is, so, okay, Marcus, I um, it's about tax brackets. So let me set kind of the... The background. It's about income tax brackets. All right. So let's let's just give a little 10 second background on tax brackets. If you are in, if you're married filing jointly, so you're married and you don't file separately, you file a joint tax return with your spouse. The let's just give an example. The 22 or the 24 percent tax bracket starts at taxable income. It's it's not this exact number. It's one hundred and seventy one thousand dollars. Roughly. It's one seventy one oh fifty one. OK. The question I get is, Marcus, last year I made 160. I know the 24% tax bracket starts at 171 and some change. If I make 180, is that a good thing? Like I'm going to be, I always hear this, I'm going to be in another tax bracket. And the, what's behind that question is they think the minute they cross over that threshold, mm-hmm. it's like a cliff. It's so like 51 cents. The minute they make a dollar over 171.051 of taxable income, everything's taxed at 24%. And you'll hear people say like stuff like, man, I don't want to make any more money. And generally speaking, there's caveats, but I would say you always want to make more money. Only thing that happens in that example is every dollar, just the dollars over 171.051 are taxed at 24%. So just a 2% bump. Not just. I mean, it's an increase in taxes. Nobody likes that. I get that. But the point is, it's just the the higher tax rate is just on the marginal amount, the the amount in excess over the tax bracket. Right. So a question I get a ton, right? Um, and so just wanted to give a little bit of clarification about that. 
obviously you can look these things up. You can start to understand where you fall in these areas. Mm -hmm. But suffice to say, just start to understand that the tax system is progressive. Let me give you another example. There's, you know, you've got 10, 12, 22, 24, on and on and on. You work through those brackets. So the 10% brackets from zero to 19,750, you pay tax 10% on just that income. Once you exceed that amount, it's like 20 grand to 80 grand. That's at 12% and so on and so forth. So you just pay the percentage on that slice of your income. It's a progressive tax system. Okay. So again, this question I get a lot, wanted to give some clarification on that. Gotcha. And that's been like that forever? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, I haven't known, I, I think taxes since, the, I mean, I can't speak to when they started, but I would think historically speaking, this has always been the case. It's a progressive tax system. Gotcha. It's not a cliff. You don't all of a sudden fall off and everything's taxed at one rate. It's always progressive. Okay. So while the bracket nuances might change yeah. every year, every... For inflation. It, they generally okay. change with inflation. Okay. So they're set by Congress. And you hear like when Trump came in in 2018, Tax Cuts and Job Act, that changed a lot of the rates. But ultimately, the brackets to which those rates are applied change with inflation every year. That's why earlier I gave the example of one seventy one hundred seventy one thousand fifty one dollars You wouldn't normally do that, right? You would use a round number, but it's adjusted every year for inflation. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That clears that up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so a couple other things. Let's talk about, um, and, I want, and, and a lot of what I want to do here is to kind of get your thoughts on some things and you jump in where it's like, okay, wait, what, yeah. what the heck are we talking about? Okay. The uh, differences between ordinary income and capital gains. So I'll mm. ask you, I'll ask you a question. Oof. What's the difference between ordinary income and capital gains? All right. Ordinary income outside of like W2, right? If you're self, so that seems like ordinary income. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you. Ordinary all American <laughs> income. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it just seems like anything you make as income, right? right? That's that's ordinary. Generally speaking, yes, R right. Yeah. So like not like if you own stocks or if you own like your you know anything in your IRA or. Right. Well, so that's not, actually ordinary income. Oh, I know it's confusing. <sighs> All right, so I guess anything stocks or securities. Yes. Um, and then maybe real estate, and then sometimes, like I guess, depending <laughs> on how you've structured your your business. This is it, why we have a business. Like just a little, looking at your face as you bring <laughs> as you bring up the different yeah. things, like maybe a business. Yeah, yeah. So you're Thanks hitting on the right. For not just leaving me there for another five minutes. Just <laughs> the reason I ask you is because you're such all... as uh, <laughs> the <laughs> um, the reason I the reason I ask you is because it makes the point. Stuff's yeah. difficult. Like, right. okay, so capital gains, generally speaking, are on investments. So we won't get into every nuance, sure. but, but generally the tax code gives preferential treatment to investment. The reason they do that is just because it's historically been meant to spur economic growth. They want people to put their capital at risk and give right. you a preferential rate. So capital gains are, let's give an example, you buy a share of stock, you buy, let's say, Tesla, you put ten grand in Tesla, it goes up to 15000 you sell it after holding it a year. That's key. You hold it a year. You sell it for fifteen thousand. You have a five thousand dollar capital gain in that example because you held it for 
more than a year. It's a long-term capital gain, and you pay a different rate than ordinary income. Ordinary gotcha. income goes back to those tax brackets we talked about. Gotcha. So in that same scenario, if I had hold it, held it 11 months, yep. it would have been ordinary income. It, yeah, because a short-term capital gain reverts back to ordinary income rates. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, just a question I get a lot, differences between the two. Generally speaking, you can kind of think investment, basically the amount you bought something, the difference between what you sell it for and what you buy for, we're not going to talk about depreciation, but mm. the difference between the cost of it and what you sell it for is generally a capital yeah. gain on the investment. Think real estate, art, stocks, bonds, and this now cryptocurrency um, businesses to a certain extent. There's some caveats, <laughs> right. ton of it, but you get the point. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like every business owner would feel like their own business is an investment. Right. I mean, I get that it's semantics, but yeah. what is the difference unless, if that's not too convoluted? Ooh, it's, it's pretty technical, but I'll just give you a quick example. If you own a business, it depends how it's structured. Okay. So if you own a business that's an S corporation, if you sell it, capital gains. Okay. If you sell a partnership interest, which most people don't realize their LLC is taxed as a partnership, you could have all ordinary income. So I won't get into all those details, but just yeah. suffice to say, if you have a business and you're thinking about selling, you need to understand that you need to talk with somebody. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit about LLCs or whatever. I know there yeah. was, we talked a little bit about this, that it finally clicked for me after a while of like, we would do a personal return, but we'd also have a business, yep. I guess, return might be the name for mm -hmm. it. Yep. But we would only pay one check right. to the IRS as Correct. a, and, and it took me a while to not understand like, okay, well, what is, you know, my wife owns a business. So like, what is, yeah. what does she own taxes? What do I own taxes? We couldn't quite understand <laughs> until finally you're like, no, this is how it works. Yeah. Maybe explain that to people. Yeah. Yeah, so what you're talking about are flow-through entities. So let's contrast flow-through entities with entities that aren't flow-through. So, the, you know, flow-through entities are S-Corps, partnerships. I think that's it, yeah. S-Corps and partnerships. Okay. A C-Corporation. So think of a C-Corporation. That's most, most, most people do not own a C-Corporation. They're generally, no, there's, there's reasons why you would have a C-Corp, but most of the time a C-Corp is a thing like a, ta uh, a uh, public tr publicly traded company. Gotcha. So they have double taxation. When you get a dividend from Tesla, right, you pay tax on it, but Tesla also pays tax on the earnings, double taxation. So most people, most small business owners don't have a C-Corp. So let's throw that out to the side. Sure. S-Corps and partnerships. Um, let's even go back a little bit further and talk about LLCs. The question I get a ton, LLCs, how am I going to be taxed? And the answer I say is, I don't know. There is no LLC tax return. There's no place in the tax code where you say, I have an LLC, how is it taxed? What happens is you you have to understand the default tax treatment of LLCs. So a single member LLC, LLC member LLC owners are called members. A single member LLC is by default in the tax world a disregarded entity. Okay, so I know. We'll, we'll, right. we'll, yeah. Let's let's get in. We're gonna get kind of into all that. Okay, disregarded entity. If you form Tyler Warner LLC tomorrow, mm -hmm. without any elections to be taxed as anything else, you will be a sole proprietorship, which okay. means you file a Schedule C on your personal tax return. You don't have to file a separate tax return for that business. The uh, income and expenses go on your personal tax return on a separate schedule. Okay. But you could elect to say, hey, I want Tyler Warner LLC to be taxed as an S corporation. And now this is going to get into your question. Okay. Okay. If you're an S corporation, to your point, the S corporation doesn't pay any income tax. What it does is it files its own separate tax return. Again, contrast that to a disregarded entity, which doesn't have its own tax return. 
files its own tax return, and then gives the owners, in this case, you would be 100% owner, a form K-1. It says, Tyler, this is your share of the earnings of this business, which is 100%. Mm -hmm. Pick that income up or report it on your personal tax return. Hence the flow-through concept. Okay. So that's what, we're, when you're talking about you and your wife's business, you guys each have S-corporations. And so the S-corps, while they file a tax return and report the income, they don't pay the tax on the income. It flows through to you personally to be reconciled on your personal tax return and tax calculated there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and every year, right? Every year. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, yeah. I mean, I think that's, you're, you're asking a really good question. Another question I get, you know, just kind of down the road of tax entities. The question I get is, I formed an LLC. I can write more stuff off, right? And the answer is generally no. Because back to the original point, an LLC that is only one member is a disregarded entity. So the, by default, the IRS doesn't even regard your LLC. My point is that you as a sole proprietor and you as an LLC sole proprietor are the same thing. The deductions don't change. Right. But to be fair, if you if you buy things within that LLC, they are not their expenses at they all. They are, but they would be deductible if you bought them as Tyler Warner. Operating a sole proprietorship without an LLC. Gotcha. That's the point. Okay. And so because again you as an LLC are disregarded. It's like you are doing business as yourself anyway. Okay. So no difference when you form that LLC. So I just it's want to not make that, that point. like they don't recognize you have a business. They Correct. just don't recognize that it's anything different than than you if personally you're just being. Yeah. A now you still have some state legal protection. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not an attorney, but I think everybody knows you form an LLC generally for lots of reasons. One being legal protection of yeah. your assets and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think. Taking a hint from the name, it's limiting your liability, not necessarily your your tax burden or, right. or anything like that. Yep. I, why is that confusing for people? I know, I'll say why it was confusing for me. Yeah. I think because as a business owner, you do pay taxes for payroll right. at every level, right. federal and, and state. And in retail, you pay sales tax literally every... <laughs> and that's a mess right. and a whole other thing. But... Yep. Um, so you do pay taxes as a business. Am I still saying that wrong, or is no? That you're right. You just it's we're talking about income tax. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, if you have employees um, in your business, whether that's a sole proprietorship, an S corp, a partnership, obviously you still have to withhold income taxes. You have to withhold Social Security. You have to match Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. So we're just talking about the income tax, but it does it does trip up a lot of people. They you know they're like you know like again back to your point. You have the best. Scenario where you come and you're like, wait, why aren't we paying taxes? We made X amount of dollars. And it's like, well, you are ultimately when we file your personal tax return. And it's the reason why you can't do your personal tax return until you have your K-1s. I mentioned K-1s earlier from right. any flow through entity you're a member, you're an mm -hmm. owner of. Right. So that trips up a lot of people too. Yeah. Gotcha. What else people scratch their heads with? Let's see here. I've got a little list. Um, we talk, okay. Itemized deductions versus standard deduction. All right. So let's kind of bounce This is one I got right. I think you did get this right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did get this right. Yeah, but you, we, you were, you've, been, uh, you've been taught well. Yeah, I've been. <laughs> you've been coached <laughs> somewhat. All right. So itemized deduction versus standard deduction. Now we're talking personal. So itemized deduction being things like your charitable deductions, your mortgage interest, your property taxes, 
your income taxes that you pay, whether through your paycheck, all those things. So what happens is when you file your personal tax return, the government says, federal government says you get the greater of the sum of all of those things, charitable, mortgage interest, property tax, state and local tax. And there's even some, there's some caps on those things, but generally either that or a standard deduction, which is just a deduction they give to you. Meaning this year, a married couple, so you and your wife, if you had no house with no, without a mortgage and you didn't pay state income tax, the government would give you a $24,800 deduction. The, the, the reason that's relevant is because a lot of times people think, hey, I gave a ton to charity this year. Like, you know, they, you know I say ton, relatively speaking, to them, mm-hmm. 10 grand. And I'll say, man, it didn't give you, and, and they're expecting when they file their tax return because they don't know how things work. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a lot of money back this year. I got a bunch of deductions. I would say it didn't even benefit you. You had the, the standard deduction was greater than your charitable of 10,000 and your mortgage mm-hmm. interest of eight grand. That's only 18. The standard deduction is 24.8. Right. So kind of why I wanted to mention this to people is just so they start to think what happens in the tax world in terms of people in my, dealing with us is expectations. And people get unrealistic expectations or misinformed expectations. Like in that example, I gave a bunch of charity. Oh, I know my tax bill is going to be less. Might not be. Right. You might not even get a benefit from it. That doesn't say you shouldn't be charitable, but it says you should be charitable maybe in a different way. Maybe you give all of your charitable donations in for two years in one, and you do it every other year. Like there's strategies to this kind of stuff. But the point is you need to have at least an understanding of what is an itemized deduction and how does a standard deduction come into play because it could it could affect your expectation of what your tax returns ultimately right. will look like. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, how often does that change? Like... Yeah, so two years ago, with the, again, back with the Trump tax cuts, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the standard deduction basically doubled. So it used to be around 12000 Now it's twenty four eight. Again, it goes up for inflation. Um, but f- as far as I had ever done taxes, which I've been doing this since in college, since 2002, it was always around 12000 You know, I think, you know, eleven eight, eleven six, and so on and so forth. So that's a big thing people don't, they don't understand. You know, they, I hear them mixing concepts of where things are deducted. Um, and they just, it's just a good thing to understand yeah. like itemized deductions versus the standard. I don't know if it's on your list, but that we can, yeah. this, this question may dive us into credits versus deductions in general. Yep. But how often do not the standard deduction amount vary, but what is included as maybe an itemized. Okay. Does that ever vary? Like, not really. Okay. So the only thing that changed, that's a good question. Like one day it's not going to be like, oh, if you buy, you know, yeah, groceries, I mean, it's... Correct. Uh, well, it does... It, okay, so let me back up a little bit. As long as I've been doing taxes, yeah, it, it, there have there been more, like minor changes. Like it's always been mortgage interest, charitable. I didn't mention medical, but most people don't get medical because medical has to exceed a certain percent of your income before it even gets thrown into that pot of itemized. Okay. Okay. Uh, mortgage interest, charitable, state taxes, medical. That's generally been, there's a, a few other ones. Um, but but it, you also used to have what's called miscellaneous itemized deductions, which were things like if you worked for somebody and you didn't get reimbursed, so unreimbursed employee business expenses, like you're in sales and you drive a lot and they don't reimburse you, that used to be deductible. That, that change where, again, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, kind of a give and a take in Congress. Mm-hmm. They lowered all the tax rates, but they took away certain deductions, and that was one of them, miscellaneous itemized deductions. So to your question, that's the biggest change I've seen 
Uh, used to be able to deduct the fee you would pay your tax preparer. You can't anymore. That would that was a miscellaneous itemized deduction. Your safety deposit box. I mean, again, nobody does that. But you know, gotcha. But they haven't changed much. And these seem like pretty minor. Miscellaneous. Yeah. The biggest one being the unreimbursed employee business expenses. Typically, the biggest. That's big for people in sales. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like there's like this also this kind of myth that CPAs kind of secretly know all these, you know, <laughs> these areas of deductions that the that we just are, don't know about. Right. You know, but my experience is that they're every year pretty pretty much the same. They are. I mean, every once in a while, just through tax policy, you get things like right now you have the qualified business income deduction. That's not a standard deduction or itemized. That's just a whole new thing or domestic producers. I mean, yes, they're for the most part, things are the same, but every once in a while through tax lobby and, you know, mm-hmm. negotiations in Congress, there'll be these new programs that come right. up. Like the, the qualified business income, that came about when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act came out. That was, but also they said, okay, we're going to give you this deduction. We're taking away the miscellaneous itemized deductions. Kind of give gotcha. and take. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to credits and deductions. All right. All right. So, kind of let's let's go back to where you and I started. Mm-hmm. What what is it like? Let's kind of get your let's get the layman's term, and I'll see yeah. where you stand on it. I'm pretty proud of this one based on your reaction. <laughs> uh, I like your analogy. Yeah, though. exactly. Okay. So I describe tax credits as the government giving you a gift card for your tax bill. Right. So essentially, you know, if you owe a thousand dollars in taxes, but you've got a fifty dollar tax credit then you can essentially swipe that gift card and you, you've you paid $50 worth of your $1,000 bill. That's right. You know? That's right. Whereas a deduction is, and this is where I didn't quite get the vocabulary words right, <laughs> but it's essentially, a subtra- it works the same way as the itemized or the standard. That's right. It subtracts it from your your income or what your your income would be. I'm losing here. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's, what you would the government would consider your income correct, it, it, and you, it, what you owe taxes on. Yeah, it's correct. It's a deduction in arriving at your taxable income. So you get all your income items minus your standard deduction. Yeah. yeah so if you got thrown another five thousand dollar deduction for whatever reason, and you make a hundred grand, then it would be like, okay, boom, now I'm at ninety. You pay tax on ninety five. So let's 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 take the example full circle. We talked. We started with tax brackets. So. Here's the the question would be, okay, so $5,000, how does that affect my taxes? Well, you apply whatever tax bracket you're in. So let's just say at 95 example, that puts you in the 22% tax bracket. So some quick math, a $5,000 deduction at 22% saves you $1,100 because it's $5,000 less amount of income at 22%. So that's how you can start to think about deductions. They save you at whatever tax rate you're in. And to, you made a great example about, the, about the, the gift card. A credit is a reduction of the tax, like a direct reduction. So like lots of us here, you and I, we get child tax credits. That's just a credit. So say if your total tax bill, once you work through all the tax brackets and did the math, it was 20 grand. You've got two kids. They say, okay, Tyler, we're going to give you a, we'll give you a $2,000 credit per child, $4,000. Now your total tax is 16000 Boom. Just like that. Gotcha. So just a total reduction of your tax. And then you can get into refundable tax credits. That's 
that that is that is a credit over and above your tax due where they literally give you money back and yeah and these are all the reasons you need a good cpa that's right that's right <laughs> yeah just to understand this stuff because like i said my goal when we started this podcast was to try to make some of these concepts a little more palatable a little give people some, a little bit more knowledge break the myths you know kind of the, the old wives tales about about things like uh if i go in a new tax bracket does that mean all my money's taxed at that new rate no right if i'm an llc does that mean i can deduct more expenses no like yeah. not in not in a bad way but just that's the reason right. why we wanted to do this just to give people some kind of understanding like okay Right. I don't have to understand all the ins and outs, but it will definitely help me yeah. manage my finances and my business. Right. And I think you nailed it earlier with expectations. You know, yeah. I think as business owners, that's about all you could ask for is yep. like taxes aren't going away, but the more you can anticipate and you have a good understanding of what to expect, right? the better you can run your business. And, you know, um, well, I, what I tell my clients is all the time, I say, the more you know, the better client you are. Like you, because I can't read your mind. I can't, you know, we reach out with newsletters and we, you know, quarterly or different types of check-ins or month, depending upon the package you have with us. But if you know these concepts, sometimes you'll bring something to the table. Like, Hey, I know I sold my business and I know that may or may not be capital gain. That's all you need to know. Or mm. I had this event and I know, you know, I'm probably moving up, going to pay a little bit higher rate this year. Again, you don't have to know that it's 24 or 22 or 32. Right. It's just a, it's just issue recognition that you then call your CPA and said, hey, man, this is going on. I think this, this is my expectation, but correct me. And then it yeah. starts a discussion and you get better service. Gotcha. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. But if you do need a good CPA or if this has prompted you to think, okay, I've had something like this happen. I sold a business or, you know, you just want to get a handle on these things and get the insider deductions the latest <laughs> right. the, the insider latest. deductions exactly yeah I like that. we should rename the podcast insider production <laughs> uh, deductions but anyway um go to mirror.group yep and um we've got a pretty cool self-assessment there on where to start it's based on the total control accounting system and this whole roadmap that you've built out on how to take people out of chaos in their accounting and into clarity and um and that's a good place to start, I think, for any small business owner. So go to mirror.group, check that out, take the self-assessment quiz. It'll take you two seconds and it'll get you connected with the Mirror Group CPAs. Yep. So on that end, we'll, uh, we'll be here next week. Until next time. All right, thanks. Thanks.